Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. You uh, you corkspired us last time. A potential spam is calling me. I didn't turn off my notifications. Sorry. Yeah, got to turn those off. Yeah. So it's a it's a consecutive drinking episode. Your fault. Sure is. Yeah, it is my fault. Sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this, but uh, we didn't record all of last week's episode in one sitting. Mm-hmm. We had to cut off the end of the recording and come back and uh, finish. And so the P1s to the end mm-hmm. were, we weren't drunk for that. We did not have... Not drunk like we should have been. We did not have coconut-based beverages in our bodies. I mean, if you're a P1 customer, which version do you want? Mm. Do you want a sober read with a fun twist, or do you want just a shit show read by two <laughs> drunk assholes? I don't know. If I'm paying, I might want the good one. Hmm. Which is the good one? <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are you drinking today, buddy? I'm drinking sake. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had a half a bottle of uh, sake in my fridge. Nice. And uh, what better excuse to kill it than a Quark's Bar episode? I just love sake. Is the stopper in that the stopper from the bottle of Kanar that someone gave us? That's a great question. It, it might be. Let me hold it up to the camera for you and the viewers at home. Is that it? That's totally what that is. Yeah, it's a good stopper. Because I came home with the Kanar, but I uh, I was like, oh, man, we lost the stopper. I'm so glad that you have it. We didn't lose the stopper. I I stole it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is the Kanar with Damar Square still on the board? Because we have the like official Star Trek wine Kanar bottle. It's on there. Ben, it's square 54. Oh, good. So <laughs> It's four rows up from us. We'll never get there. But yeah, it still exists. <laughs> okay, good. Because we also had a friend of DeSoto make us a bottle, a custom bottle of Amaro. Mm-hmm. For a canard with Damar, yeah. which I feel like Amaro is like texturally and color wise a closer match than red wine, which is what the Star Trek industrial complex has, has churned out. Don't believe them. It's a fake. But we also like we have that canard shaped bottle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we need to consume both of them. We do. We do need to consume them. And I, and I love an Amaro. So we I sh- do too. Uh, the Canard with Damar square is a cocktail-making square. It's not necessarily down the bottle of Canard. But if we have a bottle of Canard, we might as well put our own twist on we it. We might as well. Yeah. Yeah. I am also drinking a, a libation from the uh, Empire of Japan. I'm drinking an Asahi. <laughs> hey, I like that beer. That's a Japanese porch beer. Yeah, it's a nice Japanese porch beer. I went to the Japanese grocery store downtown, picked up some some sundries. One of them, they sell shiso leaves there, and uh, I I love a shiso painkiller. Make a mm. make a painkiller with a little shiso seasoning in it, and uh, that does sound nice. So I bought some of those, but those are those are all long gone. 
but uh, I, I came home with a 12-pack of Asahis as well. So I'm having one of those, and then when I'm done with that, I'll probably crack into some uh, cachaca or some tequila or something. I have a couple of things here at hand. I'm so glad you said that word, because every time I see it on a menu, I forget how it's properly pronounced. I don't know if I'm actually doing it justice. I think it's a Portuguese word, and knowing how to pronounce something in Portuguese is not intuitive for somebody that has studied Spanish or French. (laughs) We've got to go to Japan together and drink our way through some of the great bars in that country. Can we please call up our agent slash friend and... I like, like I, I would move friend ahead of agent if he booked us a tour of Japan. Yeah, if he could pull off that trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I got so smashed on sake like a week and a half ago on my trip to Seattle. Uh-huh. Went to uh my favorite sushi bar up there. Yeah. I think I've been to that sushi bar with you before. Yeah. It's just the ultimate, and uh, we ate a bunch of sushi, and between the four of us, we did three and a half bottles of sake, but they're like the larger format sake bottles. Like we yeah, we really went for it. <laughs> it was fun. I feel like, uh, yeah, like sake bottles are one of those things where like because they come from a different culture, they don't conform to like the 750 ml yeah. As like standard size thing that, that we're used to. Yeah, they don't fit in a wine rack and they don't quite fit in a fridge door. Yeah. It's really fun to go to like a Korean restaurant and say like, give me a big beer. And the big beer comes and you're like, this, like, why 31 ounces? Like, why, <laughs> like, how did you decide on that or whatever? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're due for Korean barbecue, dude. No, we got to get Rob's, 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 Rob's out there. We got to get some beef in our birdies. We got to tip up the macaulay. Mm. Get that that rice wine flowing. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing I picked up with Is the, that uh, how you pronounce that? Did I fuck that up too? I, that's about what I would say if I was attempting that word. God, so good. Yeah. So good. I would love a friend of DeSoto to post like a a video tweet of how you pronounce some of these things cuz I don't I don't I've only read the word, you know? We've gotten pronunciation clues, encouragements <laughs> online before. I wouldn't doubt that that's coming our way. Okay. If, we, if we've got any like Brazilian or Portuguese listeners, if we've got any Korean listeners, help us out. Ben, it's one thing to learn how to say a thing like cachaça. Mm-hmm. It's quite another to remember... Mm. How to say it the next time you go to a restaurant where you need to say it again. Yeah. This is my problem. I, what I need is something unforgettable. Yeah. What I need is the title of today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just jumping right in. What do you say we get in I thought you had a Marin planned and everything. What happened? We're already eight minutes in, man. Let's, uh, let's, Are we really? Let's, yeah, let's get into the ep. God damn, Frankenstein. All right. God damn, Frankenstein. Forget that other thing. Let's proceed with what is unforgettable. Right. Star Trek Voyager, season four, episode 22. Unforgettable. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> Cheers, Adam. Cheers to you. And cheers to Andrew Robinson, the director of today's Star Trek episode, his third of three. Wow. This is uh, <laughs> this is the mic drop 
directorial outing for Andrew Robinson. Yeah. Man. Well, you're just flying along. You're mining your beeswax as Starship Voyager, you know? Doesn't seem like anything as untoward is happening, right? This may finally be the episode where nothing happens. Where we're just floating around with crew people going about their business. Yeah. Why don't you think there's... I feel like new Star Trek could pull this off, right? You know how you can go on YouTube and you can listen to like the sound of the Enterprise for 18 hours in a row? Right. And it's supposed right. to be a thing that, that keeps you calm, that, that makes you serene and happy? Right. How rewatchable would that episode be where you're just on a starship occasionally cutting around to different settings and it's just the crew doing their work or socializing or whatever. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would really be incredible. I would watch that episode a hundred times a year. You know, like uh, around the holidays, YouTube will pop the like 4K, uh, <laughs> yeah. like logs burning. The 4K log. Yeah. And it's listed as a television show and there's two episodes and one episode is just like the crackle of the fire burning and the other is the crackle of the fire burning with Christmas carols playing against it. Yeah. yeah. And man, th this is such a great idea that you are pitching right now. Paramount Plus should have like an environmental, like put it on and you're on the D, put it on and you're on the disco, put it on and you're on the fucking no bloody ABC or D. Like, you know what? It could be a short treks too. It doesn't need to be a full episode, but even a short treks could be that kind of on a loop. Right. sensibility to it but like yeah if, if they just had it as like the 10 hours of being aboard the d i would have that on all the time they would leap to the top of the streamer list by just like hours streamed metrics right yeah because like who would ever turn that off there's a version of the log with nick offerman where he's just sitting next to the fire and he's drinking Mm. And it is totally loopable. Like for hours, you can just sit with Nick Offerman and he's pouring more and more whiskey into a glass and just sitting silently <laughs> looking into camera. <laughs> like this mm. is, so what I'm saying is there's a version of this that exists in a number of areas. This is not new ground. Yeah. Do this, Paramount Plus. Yeah. If you know what's good for you, do this. Yeah. This is a service. I would love to spend 10 hours on Voyager. I wonder if there isn't a cut that doesn't already exist on YouTube where sort of like, you remember that one episode where we saw the Star Trek, the next generation porno film. Mm, yeah. And it had all of the sex cut out of it. And we reviewed it as like a story. <laughs> it's like a, as a fan film. I think you could probably do that over the entire run of a Star Trek Voyager where you just cut out all the action and it's just <laughs> people walking, the ship cruising. Yeah. No yeah. weapons being fired. Well, unlike that episode of The Mind, in this one, weapons do get fired, but they can't figure out where they're coming from. Yeah. There's nothing out there. It's like bangers are getting dropped on the, on the ship. It's proton surges. Yeah. And the, they realize that there is a fight happening between cloaked ships, and they got caught in the middle of it. What are the odds? I mean, space is really big. I know. It's really staggeringly big and they got they, like boy <laughs> really bad luck you guys talk about your all-time uh slipping on a banana peel on the bridge they're like is there anything the ass lab can do about this like hey seven <laughs> can you uh can you dial up something that so that we can pick up what the deal is with these two cloaked ships 
And like as they're talking about whether or not they can do this, one of the ships blows up and the remaining ship uncloaks and hails them. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, an audio only hail. Chakotay, please, I need your help. This lady is asking for Chakotay, knows the name of Voyager. She's, she's got a lot of info here. Yeah. And they're like, what the hey? What's going on here? She's asking for Chakotay. And if you're Chakotay, God, this is happening again, isn't it? Some space lady is out there. Yeah. Probably saying the baby's mine. <laughs> you got to get Space Mari out here yes. to figure out the paternity. Chicote puts an away team together of Tuvok, Paris, and Mori. <laughs> Mori beams down with a stack of manila envelopes. Yeah. God. <laughs> this is... Robert Beltran has a great face for this. The he absorption really of specious information. <laughs> <laughs> the romantic nut kick face. He's really practiced as an actor. He really has this. He's great. He's great with this. After the theme, we uh, we see this mystery ship kind of blurping in and out, like like its cloak is both working and not working. Like you can't decide if 65 degrees is jacket weather or not. Mm. I was the only one who anticipated that it was going to be cold. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, they beam over and it's like, you know, the ship is like not really in great shape. It's full of uh, collapsed girders and garbage and stuff. And there's like not much oxygen left. And uh, like the house in Wizard of Oz that lands on the witch, there's like the legs sticking out from under some of this junk. It's great. <laughs> and, and this lady's voice coming from underneath it. And Chakotay's like, okay, cool. I'm going to move this. And she's like, well, if you do that, it'll be considered girder murder because that girder is going to fall right on me. I don't know why the ship was so filled with vending machines, but she really fucked up rocking this one back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> the plan they come up with is like I'm going to wedge this up and you're going to roll out of the way as fast as you can yeah but if you've been smushed by a vending machine how able are you to roll he doesn't ask her about that nope. like how how hurt are you can you like feel your toes would have been yeah. questions I would have asked when we finally see her from underneath the vending machine she's not smushed at all she's fine yeah it's like a a magician, like a, you know, like it all fell on her in a way that it didn't kill her or even harm her. Yeah. You know? This is a giant piece of metal. And when, when she's taken directly to Six Bay, it's just a leg problem. It's a fractured leg and a concussion. I have to say, though, the uh, the girder falling looked dangerous as fuck. Like, yeah. they, they make like, you know, styrofoam rocks fall occasionally on TV and a lot on Star Trek in a way that is like, that just didn't look like mm -hmm. the threat that it needed to sell itself as. Yeah. This girder looked fucking scary when it fell. Like, I was like, I can't believe Robert Beltran was standing that close to this thing when they did that. I also want to call out the set here in that I don't recognize where they shot this. This doesn't look like a redress like so often you, you'll see. Yeah at the beginning of an episode. And I like the choice of shooting a lot of this tight, you know? So I think a wide shot might give away what kind of recycled set dress this this could be. Right. But it's just girders and vending machines everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's dark. And yeah. we get our character out of the setup before we really have enough time to ID it. She is uh, very excited that Chakotay has come to rescue her. He beams her out, and uh, we're in Six Bay. And the doctor is baffled because he's trying to get readings on his medical tricorder, and nothing shows up. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be able to give her any care if they can't pull her health insurance and if she doesn't show up in the tricorder, then I don't know what they're going to be able to do here. Yeah, it's like, who do we send the bill to, lady? Yeah. Captain, Captain Janeway, the USS Forfeiture. Captain, Captain Janeway, the USS Forfeiture. She wakes up, and this is a creative flourish by Andrew Robertson, right? We're in her POV, and she sees all these faces at her bedside. And they aren't just, like, squared up faces. I think this is... An angle that's really hard to do in a flattering way, but the focus is kind of soft and strange. Mm, And it's more about how it feels to be a person with a concussion. And I think it's really effective when we're kind of looking around at these three heads floating above you. I really liked it. I also just appreciated it for uh, kind of pointing the camera away from her ears uh, for as much time as we possibly could. She clearly comes from a species of boxers because uh, <laughs> the the cauliflower ear is uh, uh, apparently species wide. Like everybody we meet from uh, from her planet has this. Let's find out what's going on. Yeah, she asks for asylum immediately upon waking up, and she mentions that if you don't give me this asylum, they're going to take me back. Yeah. This very threatening they. As, as though we're supposed to know who the they is. Right. And so, so Janeway is like, all right, let's slow your roll. <laughs> like, I have a few questions first. We need to find out what mean asylum in mm-hmm. this context, uh, who we're picking a fight with diplomatically, because right. we, we don't know you. You seem to know us, but we don't know you. I love how quickly Janeway seems interested in leaving the scene and leaving her with Chakotay. There's coffee in that first officer. Because as soon as she scrams and the doc takes off, this lady's whole vibe changes. She is so happy to be left alone with Chakotay. Yeah, she does not ship J slash C. She ships K slash C. Right. It's complicated. She seems like someone who's been in his tub before. Mm. And wants to get back there <laughs> pretty quick. I, I was very distracted in this scene because we just got the whole thing about the doctor not being able to scan her with the tricorder. But he's like, no, no problem. I can just do it visually. He's like, aren't you basically the same thing as a tricorder, Doc? And I love how like this doesn't pique anyone's interest as like, a possible threat. This is just an unusual quality about this person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> cool. I feel like every character is just falling for Virginia Madsen, as most characters do in TV and movies, right? Yeah, that's kind of a, I mean, it's a theme. It's plausible. Yeah, it absolutely is. But yeah, like, uh, she tells this thing about, uh, yeah, like, the memories of my people can't be held in the minds of other races. Yeah, we're blackout aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I don't want to name them that. That that seems problematic. Yeah. Yeah. There's something else that's not bad. <laughs> There's a way to put this that's tweetable. Yeah. They're, um... Hey, speaking of tweets that, that make me very nervous all the time, this new movie that The Rock is in called Black Adam. Oh. 
every time it trends on Twitter, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> what, <laughs> what am I caught up in that I don't understand? <laughs> Black Adam's going to be a problem for me until that movie opens. I didn't know that The Rock was in that. I think I've seen like some bus bench ads for that. Yeah, yeah. Black Adam is not a scandal. It's just a movie. You don't have to worry, Ben. Okay. Right. Well, that that's a huge relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so something about her species, like they don't interact well with scanners. Like they couldn't beam her over without Chakotay having his arms around her. They couldn't scan her with the medical tricorder and nobody remembers her, but she's like, yeah, like I, I was here with you for like two weeks, like a month ago, and we fell madly in love with each other. Hey, Chakotay, smell your fingers. <laughs> oh my deliciousness. <laughs> Sounds great. He's like, I washed my hands this morning. She's like, oh, so close. <laughs> to go along with this episode, you have got, to really go along with the idea that there are no cameras on the Voyager and the computer is easily erasable by an alien's computer virus and that it's not a big deal that a computer virus is able to function in this way. Yeah. You just got to go with it. I mean, like, it almost seems like you could just, like, have her talk about, like, a slightly less trafficked part of the ship that she was on and dust it for prints. Right. And that should show up. I know. But it doesn't. It seems implausible that there wouldn't be more evidence here. Why don't you check me for a baby? Mm. <laughs> it's a very intimate conversation, too, because she's lying on the bed and he's like, you know, elbowed up to it. It's the bedside setting, isn't it? Really emphasizes the intimacy. And so he's like, what the, what, like, why are you here? Like, why this cloaked ship battle in space? Yeah. And she's like, well, I come from this like closed society and I was on your ship a month ago because I snuck aboard to like capture somebody that was trying to flee Ramura, her planet. And she is a tracer, like a special type of cop from Ramura that <laughs> nabs potential escapees and brings them to Ramuran justice by grabbing them and then like wiping their memory of the outside world and taking them back. And now she's trying to do the same. It's like a, there's so many sci-fi stories like this, like the the running man kind of, you know, I like I used to be the person that grabbed these people and now I am these people, but I know all their tricks. You know what? You're so right about that, Ben, but that last way that you said that thing is so different from how Kellen is. Because yeah. there's nothing hard about this character. She's not like a cop who's seen it all. <laughs> she's the best, but she's a loose cannon. There is so little of that that I I really wish there was a bit more of it because I'd never found her credible as the person who has this job. It's one of the things that as the episode goes on makes me not trust her. Right. Or her story. I think that the episode is maybe better directed than it is written because I think yeah. that Andrew Robinson saw this sort of issue and decided to play with her trustworthiness as like a thing to keep you interested in in what happens. But yeah, but unfortunately, like that is so somewhat in conflict with the story she's telling. Yeah, yeah, it makes it tough. 
Chakotay has to go tell the rest of the crew this in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. I wish we saw the moments outside the McLaughlin group where Chakotay kind of takes a deep breath and is like, God, I got to do this again. <laughs> I got to tell the crew that something may have happened yeah. that I can't necessarily <laughs> prove. <laughs> and this is going to suck once again. I like that Harry doesn't buy it for a second. Like... <laughs> She was here, (laughs) but nobody remembers it. It's a hard pill to swallow. I'm going to say it. Yeah. I mean, the idea is viewed with a great amount of incredulity around the table, incredibly by Paris, who like stands up to emphasize his point about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. About his disbelief. Am I making any sense here? I think that there's a thing happening with Paris where he's like, I don't think people take me seriously enough as a person that knows technology stuff. Yeah. And ever since Steth and all of that stuff, like I, I'm seeing an opportunity to like make the case that I am making sense here. This really stuck out to me though, as a th- like I've attended a thousand meetings about a thousand different subjects, but if someone stood up from a table to emphasize their point and that person <laughs> was right next to me, I would be really surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very unusual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I've never had a meeting with you. That's what she says. So the meeting sort of breaks up, and the and the plan is, like, see if we can corroborate her story at all, because yeah. this seems fucking crazy. And Chakotay, to his credit, is squarely on team. I want to verify everything she's telling us because I'm sick of getting tricked by beautiful ladies in space. I wish there was a little more Janeway v. Chakotay about this because at the end of the meeting, there's a there's like a brief interrogation here where Janeway is like, is the political fallout of granting her asylum worth it to you, Chakotay? <laughs> Given we've been down this road with you many, many times before. I really want to be sure this time. If only we could use a medical tricorder to determine if she's even sexually compatible with humans and therefore whether the baby could be yours. We'll have to wait for another day to settle up with Seska. I mean, from the beginning up until this point and through this point, you could argue that Chakotay is not believing her, not going along with this story, just as incredulous as anyone else, Paris and Kim included. But you seem very suspicious of her. I want to make sure we're not being manipulated. You know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And the first example of some of that evidence we get to see down in the ass lab where they've downloaded the travel logs of her ship and they plot them up on the screen next to a travel log of the Voyager. I like the sort of like kids computer screen (laughs) level graphics of like oh yeah let's show the voyager as a super big 3d model of voyager in this map (laughs) you can see kellen's ship and these little dots demonstrating its path and there it is right next to voyager and its dots Uh and then after a period of weeks it takes off and then you can you can see the sperm sort of leave Voyager and go over to her ship. And that's how the baby was conceived. I mean, it's seven and nine in Tuvok in this scene until Chakotay enters and invites Kellen to lunch. Mm. And this is a moment where after they left, Seven is like, uh, I've noticed some uh, some face flushing there that is uh, associated with some blood flow. Variables. What do you think that's about? 
And Tuvok is like, that's a very low stakes date because like nobody's going over to anyone's house after a lunch. Right. Yeah. You want to know what's high stakes? Fucking rubbing fingers as a teenager. <laughs> Jesus. I know you don't want to do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. They go to uh, Neelix's restaurant. Neelix is serving what I would describe as one of the worst lunches I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's What is it? Buttered carrots, fried tofu, and almond pudding? Sounds wonderful. Very nice. Thanks, Neelix. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I just flew recently, and I was fortunate enough to get the bump, the bump up to first. So wow. I got it. I got a meal on a tray, but like none of the meals are particularly impressive. We all know that. I, I've had impressive meals in, in my few times where I got the bump for a, a big trip. Like I had like a good lamb chop on a, oh. on a transcon first class experience one well, time. That sounds nice. Yeah. But but this menu sounds like all the sides of an airplane meal, right? <laughs> and none of the mains. Like if you could make a meal out of just the sides, that's yeah. what this is. Yeah. Uh, I was also very distracted in this scene by the bowl of cotton balls on a <laughs> bit of metro shelving yeah. behind Neelix. I was like, what? what's he doing with cotton in the kitchen? I don't know. They're probably pretty dry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Uh, Key ink component of Leola root stew, I imagine. It's like, <laughs> Leola root stew again. I got fibers in my teeth. I'm going to take the craziest shit after this. <laughs> I'm going to shit a medium girl's t-shirt. <laughs> it's like my... It's like my puppy taking a dump after like eating one of her toys. Like you just uh -huh. gotta pull that thing out. Yeah, yeah. You gotta help her finish. Uh, this is just like opening a package from Podshop.biz right uh, here. Podshop.biz. <laughs> There's a quality to Kellen here that, I mean, I kind of blame on Virginia Madsen a little bit, which is she's so charismatic mm -hmm. and so nice to be around. That when you're sitting down to lunch with her and she's telling you all about you in a way that seems kind of improbable, and when the the climax of that conversation is, oh yeah, we were in love with each other. <laughs> you said you were in love with me. You didn't say I felt the same way. You kind of want to believe it because she's so likable, you know? Yeah. But like, it's, man, it's so interesting, like, I'm reading a book right now where a character has amnesia and like, there's all this like- Is it the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. It's the only book I read. <laughs> Jesus is like, where am I? Yeah. It's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. I just get from one <laughs> cover to the next and then I go right back and start again. <laughs> um, but like, I always wonder is the like biological component of love- like as important as the mental component or not like and this sort of makes the case that not like he there's nothing his birdie is telling him that his mind uh disagrees with you know his mind is telling him no <laughs> but his body his body is telling him no 
take it one step at a time. <laughs> I was waiting for this moment for 10 minutes in this episode. I felt like she starts telling a story that goes into a flashback. Yeah. Like I totally thought that this episode was going to be primarily flashback. Yeah. And it's not. It's like this one little anecdote she tells about like, oh yeah, I was like sneaking around on the ship under a cloak for two days and I accidentally tripped something that caused my my cloak to fall and you, you were the one that caught me. It was you, Chakotay. Yeah. And then what happened? And then I met you. Wrong direction. I don't want to hurt you. Put your weapon down. You have a stowaway on board. I'll retrieve him and we'll be on our way. That's not the way we do things here. Chakotay to Tuvok. Yeah. Nice job, Tuvok, by the way. Just like letting two people stow away on the Voyager for two days. I mean, two days in Virginia Madsen's case, presumably several more in the case of the fugitive she was pursuing. I like the amount of clarity that the flashbacks present because they are neither extremely clear nor very unclear about where we're heading in the story. Like there are times where I'm like, oh, where am I? Oh yeah, it's a flashback. But why doesn't this match up with what they're talking about? (laughs) Like there's a little bit of equilibrium you need to find when you're in these moments. Yeah. That I think is actually good. I mean, I like any meet cute that starts with the two characters aiming phasers at each other is just destined to to lead to love, right? It's a real reservoir dogs meet cute that they're having. Yeah. That's what you want. She cuts a zero with a straight razor. Yeah. <laughs> He's hers from then on. Yeah. He's putty in her hands. Chicote is not Mr. Red. <laughs> Be thankful you're not Mr. Yellow. There's a lot of uh, an innuendo in this, but we cut back to the lunchroom and she's like, I want to talk about all the like emotions that this brings up for me. And he's like, I want to talk about what the fuck happened. Like, tell me the facts. Yeah, this is one of those scenes that really lays bare how much more of a cop Chakotay is than Kellen is. Right. I'd rather you stick to the events, not the emotions surrounding them. He's just the facts mamming her, and she is like, give me some of that pudding. (laughs) That's just it, too, is like she's so easy to argue with. And I mean that in like, not in the sense that you're constantly getting into arguments with her, but because like when you're in such an argument, it does not seem like a high stakes thing because she wants to talk about pudding. Yeah. It's so fucking cute. Like everything is equally high stakes for her yeah. in that it is not high stakes. <laughs> Including the pudding. Yeah. We get a banger here at the end of her uh, bon mot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, up on the bridge, she joins Chicote to explain that this is more tracers from her planet coming to nab her and take her back yeah they won't answer their hails and these weapons are formidable like they're getting through the shields this isn't just an idle threat it's not they have these like proton weapons that that punch right through and like recalibrating the shields doesn't work and they still haven't really made a decision about whether she gets asylum or not like they we've got some decent evidence to corroborate her story. Not like super bulletproof by any means, but it's like semi convincing. And right. 
they're like kind of trying to decide what to do when they find out that these bangers have knocked out propulsion. And so the Voyager crew chooses violence. I mean, it's not just the crew. Janeway asks Chakotay specifically. Yeah. And there is a long camera move into Chakotay's face as he thinks about it. And the rest of the bridge crew looks at him and he finally looks at the screen and he says, fire. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the season. Wow. (laughs) We'll have to come back after the summer to find out the exciting conclusion. Yeah, amazing. They like a couple of shots. Kellen puts some like stuff into a computer that helps their sensors track the ships that are shooting them. And they're able to knock out webs on both ships. And both ships leave because you got to have webs. <laughs> this is another situation that suggests the idea of maybe a misplaced trust or like maybe they're moving too fast. Because they allow Kellen to like dig in those computer guts a little bit. Yeah. In a way that's like, you really need to trust your instincts here and that she's gonna be on your side. Yeah, she she proposes a permanent modification of the sensors that will enable them to penetrate the polarizing cloak that these ships use. You know, it's not something that she can do by herself. A bridge officer will need to be alongside her to authenticate these moves and so uh that's chakotay and that means they get to do some close work with each other in some steamy steamy jeffrey's tubes i can do that captain now when you're flirting with a tradesperson on a job site (laughs) you're gonna want to look for opportunities to show him you can (laughs) we've set up this ladder to the second floor dharma and i'm going up first (laughs) that way the person below me can see my entire tool belt, hammer, and tux fastener. <laughs> yeah. She goes up the ladder first, man. She goes up the ladder first after saying, wait till I tell you about our last night together. Yeah. I mean, this is a scene straight out of the naked gun. It's a scene straight out of a fucking, like, BBC nature documentary about baboons showing each other's butts to each other. <laughs> I mean, with ears that look like that, who knows what's happening (laughs) down below. Very confusing, I bet. She got a blue ass! (laughs) (laughs) From that BBC documentary that Al Pacino. (laughs) Of course, it's locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. In the mess hall, Chakotay walks in after this scene. Like, we elliptically cut to the mess hall. We don't know what happens at the top of the ladder. No, no. But in the mess hall scene, Chakotay hits up Neelix. It's late at night, and he's like, look, man, you usually keep this place open for Calto. Yeah. But what I need is tea. Yeah. Bartender's tea. Do you have any, like, jazz tea? (laughs) Something to help me sleep. That's got to be a thing here. There is sort of an implication in Neelix's dialogue that there are, like, narcotic teas available to the crew, right? I love that Chakotay goes here instead of Six Bay. Because <laughs> he wants a natural solution to this problem, yeah, right? He doesn't want to take up. drugs. No. Yeah. 
Something that's not going to give him a hangover would be great. Something with some mushrooms in it, mm. maybe. <laughs> a micro dose. Uh-huh. In this case, I think uh, he's not so much bartender as bud tender, but Neelix <laughs> sort of plays the role of the server that you kind of let your problems be known to. And uh, yeah. he, he uh, you know, gives a little bit of shoulder to cry on to Chakotay. He's guidoning a little bit here, huh? Yeah. Not as effectively as Guinan, but he's uh, you know, he's wearing the Guinan hat. No, Q would kick his fucking ass. Yeah, she would pull out that nubby rifle and fucking smoke him. Yeah. This is a little souvenir I picked up from Magus Three. Neelix doesn't want to butt in, but can't help himself because he's Neelix. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I see the way Kellen looks at you. It's a way I would love anyone in the entire universe to look at me." <laughs> Yeah. What's that like? My last girlfriend turned into a being of pure energy and I'm just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say I'm on the market. <laughs> and then my girlfriend after that, uh, yeah. God, was like the fruit stand salesperson. Yeah, that didn't go well. <laughs> no, that ended poorly. They only got to see those melons once. <laughs> uh, but this is like a scene where the like... The question of can we trust Kellen comes up. Yeah. And we cut to Chakotay like late night looking at an iPad in his quarters with all the lights dimmed. And she comes in and she's like, hey, um, just wanted to check in. Do you trust me? Unfortunately, this is a scene where they both need a wardrobe change and don't have one. Like the elliptical edit and what. Chicote asks for a Neelix's is like telling us that it's late in the evening, but I really wish there were some pajamas here. Yeah, a deep V would have really helped this scene over the finish line. I think so too. It really makes Chicote seem more uptight than he needs to seem too. That's my point, yeah. More defensive against her or anyone else. And I think it kind of undercuts the, the tension in the scene of... He doesn't love her yet. Like, yeah. like she is there to win his love back on the understanding that he has forgotten who she is. Like, if if we take everything she says as true, she is going through the difficult job of trying to re-win his love after having lost it through a biological process that is totally outside of both of their control. It's another scene that doesn't make Kellen look particularly good or trustworthy, though, because her angle is that awful girlfriend blackmail of like, if you don't like me, I'm just going to kill myself, which is basically what she's saying by saying she's going to go back to the Remora and eat the punishment that's coming for her as an escapee of their culture, right? It felt... I don't know. Like, it felt gross like that. Yeah, like, he sort of agrees to entertain this under duress. And yeah. when he tells her, don't go, we go to commercial. <laughs> don't forget, <laughs> with Lacuna, you can forget. When he thinks about it, the camera moves in right into his face, and he says, fire. And that's the end of the episode <laughs> and the end of the season. <laughs> Now we have to wait another summer. God, that was such a short season. This series was seven seasons, but it was actually nine seasons. Right, with, right. with all the summer breaks. And when we come back after the summer break, they seem to have sort of broken the ice. Like, yeah. they've definitely broken out the ice cream. She's, she's loving this stuff. 
How many replicator rations was that ice cream, you think? Oh, man. Yeah. I bet if you're Chakotay, you're, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. On the rations. Yeah. But is, is he like the kind of guy that tries to impress a woman by like buying her drinks at a bar? Like, is that the analog here? Like he's, he's splashing out to show that he's like worth considering for a date. But she already likes him. Yeah. He doesn't have to try that hard. He doesn't have to go the ice cream route because there's something so enjoyable about being in the company of a person like this because she's such an easy laugh and she does a bunch of arm rubbing and like it's on it's so on he finally asks about their last night together this was like the sword of damocles over their whole thing like when are we going to hear about that last night and she's like do you have a um, let me tell you about it do you have a ladder in here do you have uh do you have a tarp <laughs> also where's your bindle do not smell the stick on the bindle she tells him about the trap that they laid for the person she was pursuing to catch him and we cut to another flashback where they're doing the like well i guess we'll beam you out of here we didn't catch that guy oh well he must not be here anymore it is unfortunate that my mission was a failure but i need to go home now i will beam you home in a moment I will beam you home, and I just want to stress that I do not have a phaser anywhere near the transporter controls. Neither of us have phasers, and both of us are very disappointed that we did not find the suspect you were looking for. This actually works on this fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they they get his cloak to drop. At this point, I was like, I kind of want this episode to head in a direction of interrogating why did Chakotay help this cop like force a guy to go back to their closed society who clearly didn't want to. Maybe we're on this side of the three sides. This guy seemed like like he had a legitimate gripe. He didn't want to go back. They don't let anyone leave? Like that's fucking, like he's just in prison on their fucking planet? That sucks. Hey, maybe, uh, maybe ATAB. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happening here. I was starting to think ATAB. Yeah. And the episode does not engage with that at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I mean, the the story is that they celebrated putting cuffs on this guy with a bunch of champagne. And uh, God, when, <laughs> when we cut back into the present, the TV show score sounds just like any other Star Trek Voyager episode during a romantic moment. That pan flute that they lay in in the background of this. (laughs) It is unfortunately very hilarious. The world's horniest pan flute. Yeah. Yeah. The scene just devolves into a makeout sesh. Yeah. And and then they cut to a train about (laughs) to enter a tunnel. And then they cut, and that's the end of the season. (laughs) So you don't even find out if the train goes into the tunnel or not. There's the depiction of a Native American man like drawing back a bow. And you're like, what is this supposed to mean? Like, is this some white person's idea of Native American culture? And then like, as this person releases the bow, we cut to the credits and it's the end of the season. (laughs) When we come back after the summer, the train enters the tunnel, (laughs) the arrow hits the deer and- uh, 
Chakotay is walking in the hallway with Tuvok, and it's now a... They've concluded that Kellen will, will be joining the crew. She's uh, she's now a member of the Voyager, and Chakotay is floating the idea maybe she should be on security, what with her great skills of, uh, of an investigator. I've never been more shocked on a Star Trek Voyager episode than the bit that Tuvok does here. <laughs> I was just more confused than made to laugh. <laughs> Yeah, because it was so unexpected what he was doing here. But a great moment for Tuvok. It's sort of like the simulation of choking Neelix that he's just running out in public. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he really drags her, drags Neelix, and denies that he's doing both the entire time. Yeah. If you choose to interpret my remark as humorous, that is your decision. But it seems kind of open to you know putting her on a on a team. I mean, it seems like they could use her help, especially in the weapons and defenses area of the ship. These Remoran weapons are are legit, and they really don't have an answer for them. I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? Gold. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. 
Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Get do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Get do it. Do it. When we go to the ass lab, Kellen is working with Kim and Seven on uh, coming up with a defense for this. And she says no defense has ever stopped these weapons. These are like undefend againstable. I mean, if you had weapons that there were no defenses for, it kind of paints the Ramorans as a culture that are pretty chill, like not to take over the entire quadrant with their undefensible weapons. Yeah. Like they seem pretty cool. It made me wonder, like, could the Borgs even assimilate the Ramorans? Would the Ramorans kick the Borgs' ass? Or if the Borgs could even get a Ramoran drone... Would they remember that they had the drone? I think if the Ramorans are like Kellen at all, I think they'd just be charmed. They'd be mm. too charmed to assimilate. <laughs> <laughs> what about Species 4 2069? Could they kick their ass? I don't know. They they seem uncharmable. Yeah. Over in the fluidic space. <laughs> Those guys seem like real dicks. Yeah. When Kellen leaves... Seven brings up to Harry again that uh, she seems horny for Chakotay. Seven is still on this. This is a scene that didn't make me think about what the episode wanted me to think about because the episode's like, isn't it funny that Seven is just calling it like she sees it? She can tell when people have crushes on each other. (laughs) And isn't that funny? Yeah. But the subtext here that we don't really get is I wish Seven was more about how differently Kellen is being treated than her own treatment when she first became a crew person. Like everyone's really nice to her and yeah. giving her opportunities and stuff, even though she's from a different culture and, and it seems very soon to be doing that. It seems like a kind of bullshit that it seems as though Kellen is a shoe in for Beta Squad and Seven still has to sleep in a cargo bay. Yeah, I mean, the only person who ever got a flushed face around me is Kim, and that doesn't really count, does it? (laughs) He gets a flushed face around everyone. Yeah. Kim's like, look, Seven, uh, the flushed face thing, you're you're getting it. I, I know you get it, but what you don't get is that before people fuck, there's a getting to know you period of time, and that's what's happening here. It's important to have a little bit of rapport before getting down. That makes it easier to to get closer. Chummy, chummy. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. Is Seven just like not into foreplay at all? The end result is the same, is it not? How could the Borgs have not assimilated this information? (laughs) 
that there's some fun in the Cherche La Femme. All the Borgs have assimilated are just incel cultures. <laughs> but who better to ask about these things than Kim, though? Like the great stick man of the crew. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, I don't really feel like explaining this to you. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like explaining physics to an ant. <laughs> How are you doing Quark's Bar Wise, by the way? How many? I'm getting near the end. You finished half a bottle of sake? Yeah, the bottle is killed, and I'm down to half of the last glass of it. I think my timing's good. Wow. I'm going to pour myself a tequila. I had one beer and one cachaça, which was, that was the last cachaça I had in the bottle. Yeah. Now, you're pronouncing it differently than you did in the open, Ben. I just want to call attention to that. Now, I'm going to do some of this Dos Artes Blanco tequila. Oh, yeah. That's a fun tequila. This is a gift to, that you gave me. It is. A, a cherished gift. Yeah. It's a good bottle. Is this bottle a liter? It's hard to tell by looking at it. A litro? Uh, yeah. I don't know if they even say how much is in this bottle, but it's like, it It seems like I can't kill this bottle, which is great. Like, I, I've, I've had a lot of tequila out of this bottle, and it still feels really full. <laughs> That's a good feeling when it's a totally opaque, clay-looking bottle. You yeah. just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, might just be that the bottle is heavy because it's made out of clay. <laughs> right. Kellen's walking back to her quarters after her shift, and, and she's got that late night after work in a parking lot, and it's dark kind yeah. of spooky sense that she's being watched or she's She in does danger. the thing where she puts the keys in between her fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought the scene was so interesting because it seemed... Like, okay, this is the scene where she's alone finally. Like, this is the first time she's been alone this mm -hmm. entire episode. And she's going to, like, mask off and we're going to find out what shady shit she's actually been up to. I was also bumped a little bit that she appears to live in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> like, the, the configuration of Voyager and its decks are, are just all rings, right? You would think. So when I saw her walk home from work and get to her quarters, she's like, at the end. The end of what? The end of the ring. Yeah. That was confusing. Anyway, she rolls into her quarters, and, uh, and she sees the, a broken wine glass in there. Is it her quarters or is it Chicote's? Because that's the wine glass she had in Chicote's quarters, and so and so. I'm wondering, like, you think Chicote gave her his keys? Is she staying with him? I wish that was a little more clear. I mean, whether or not she's followed is made very clear because the tracer just shows up. Chicote to security, intruder alert, my quarters. Yeah, she tells Chicote, like, hey, so this broken wine glass thing is a a message from the tracer that clearly like got aboard in the last attack, they're following me. And he's like, hey, yo, uh, I am indeed. Here is my weapon. Zap, zap, zap. Chakotay's got to shoot faster than this. I mean, maybe since being with Kellen, he's used to shooting very late. Right, yeah. He's like, he's like working his way up to a kind of like a Tantra style yeah. phaser practice. And this guy, this guy Kerneth... <laughs> What's funny is like Kern doesn't remember anything, but Kerneth remembers everything. Yeah. Kerneth taketh and <laughs> Kerneth taketh away. I think you're close to something there. Kern giveth and Kerneth taketh away. Yeah. I don't know. Kerneth is like, it's too late, man. 
I already shot her, and before you know it, she's going to forget all about you and this place and her feelings. We're done. I did it. It's over. It's over before it started. My mission is a success. So Chakotay, like, I guess takes this guy into custody, and we cut to Six Bay, where the EMH is for some reason using a tricorder. Didn't we establish that that's useless? <sighs> I mean... Did he forget that it was useless? Is that part of the thing? Kerneth should be on a bio bed next door after being socked in the face by Chakotay. Yeah, fucking broken jaw. Yeah. This forgetful beam has worked mm -hmm. because it is very clear to everyone there that these memories are fading. And uh, Kellen goes in for that double handhold that you see people have in hospital beds. Mm. And she just begs him, do not let me forget our super spicy romance. And so Chakotay is determined to find the, uh, you know, if Kerneth hit her on the suck setting, he wants to find out if that ray gun has a blow setting. The unfortunate thing about this person's name <laughs> is that Kerneth is actually my full name. <laughs> Kern is the nickname that my friends and family use. Properly, I am referred to as Kerneth. Son of Moog. <laughs> what a cruel coincidence that another man on the opposite side of the galaxy would share that appellation. <laughs> I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you, and you have just crossed the line. Kerneth is in the brig and not Six Bay, and Chicote goes to visit. Yeah. And he's there to figure out how to reverse the effects of the beam and also give this guy a light roughing up by the lapels. Seems like Chakotay sort of wishes they were on a somewhat more Maquis-based system of yeah. justice on this ship. He's like, tell me how to unwipe what has been wiped. Because like we were like really really close to having sex and I feel like you just hit the sex snooze button <laughs> and that's like the second time that's happened in this episode in a way right so just if you whatever you can do because I'm really trying to get over this Cardassian lady it wasn't that long ago <laughs> that shit went down with her I feel like I got a good chance here look around Chakotay there aren't that many potential mates out here what do you make of Kerneth as a threatening character here I was very threatened by his confidence and his elocution. He had yeah. real, like, the confidence of someone who was like a military admiral. He just seemed totally unflappable here. Right. Even if I knew how the emitter works, I wouldn't tell you. In not a dark way, not in a I'm going to kill you and your entire crew kind of way, but just in a professional this is what I'm here to do, and I did it, and it's our way, and we are utterly confident in our reasons for that. And also, like, there is a low-key confidence in, in saying, like, yeah, like, it's a technology that I use, but I don't know, I don't know how the gun works. Like, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> I'm a fucking cop. <laughs> Look, I just pull something out of my holster and shoot, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, they tell me what to pull out. <laughs> It's unfortunate that this is the first time in the episode where I actually drew the eternal sunshine of a spotless mind comparison. I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of a spin on that. Like this person is forgetting and we don't want her to forget. Yeah. 
starting to slip out of her mind. And she looks at me like she doesn't even know who I am. It's eternal sunshine of a tattooed mind. Yeah. That's what it turns out being. Mm. Gonna see if I can take that receipt back to Lacuna and get the fucking deposit back. Wow. I know. Anyway, this guy is not helpful at all. No. Not willing or helpful. Chicote returns to his quarters, her quarters. Anyways, the mess of the broken <laughs> glass hasn't been cleaned up. And she's sitting there and she's like, I don't know who you are, but there's a mess here. So if you could send somebody down here to deal with all this broken glass, that would be great. I love the idea that he might have walked into her quarters and they're decorated exactly like his. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Where did you get this college poster? I thought I had the only one. <laughs> Wait, you like the usual suspects too? <laughs> she has utterly forgotten about him. Can I help you find something, sir? But the thing about this Kellen character is that like her personality is still there. Her personality wasn't wiped. It was just the memories of Chicote. And so when he begins telling her about them... I mean, she's not angry with him. She's still Virginia Madsen about it, but she doesn't take it very well. She's not intrigued. She's kind of, I mean, she says she's unsettled by this revelation and that she needs to go home. It's very uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for both of them. Like it was as uncomfortable for her as it was for him at the beginning of the episode to be told like, hey, yeah, we actually were in love and you Mm -hmm. just don't remember it. Yeah. He's like, well, why don't we just like give it a try, baby? And she's like, don't be a fucking idiot. I have to go back to my people and like face the music. God. Yeah, this is rough. It's not a terrible deal for him though, right? Because he's not going to remember the hurt feelings. And also he probably didn't knock her up. And that's good too. This time. Extremely low likelihood that she shows up on a FaceTime three episodes from now and is like, <laughs> Chakotay, what I didn't tell you. And he's like, sorry, before you go any further, who are you? <laughs> you may want to go into your paper journals and, and look at the hand sketches of my <laughs> weird genitals. <laughs> yeah. You may have noticed that the Nike shoebox you keep under your desk wasn't as wet <laughs> one day last week as it normally is. <laughs> Oh, man, this is rough because, I mean, she's made her decision and it's pretty final. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, I wish circumstances were different, but not enough to do anything about this. And Chakotay's expression here, this is great Robert Beltran here, too, because he looks like he's looking at a crime scene. Like we're really in on his face because he's got a great face for this moment. But it's a love crime scene, Ben. Mm. And the stabbing victim is his heart. And so Chakotay beats it out of there. Yeah. War is hell. Love is a battle. Yeah. He goes down to the transporter room to see Kellen and Kernith off. Gives Kernith back his mind erasing weapon. You know, I like mind erasers too, but I usually have those over in Neelix's, you know, after hours. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And he's like, "Uh, well, best of luck. Uh, Here's your diabolical enforcement tool of your fascist regime. Have a great time. This moment where Kellen smiles at Chakotay a little bit, you might even say wanly, Mm. Ben, there seems to be a suggestion that she may in fact remember 
Chakotay? Do you believe that that's a part of this scene or am I just projecting? I sort of interpreted it as a like poor schmuck smile. Oh, that's so fucking sad. Yeah. Oh no. And that like he is interpreting it in a like maybe she really remembers way. You really know what that smile looks like too. I do. I do. That's why it was so familiar to me. Uh, especially, especially when somebody that looks like Virginia Manson breaks yeah. it out. It's like, seen that once or twice. <laughs> Yikes. Really takes me back. Yeah. To yesterday. Every night of my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> the button on the episode is Tricote writing longhand his personal log about what has happened. This is computer virus proof. They can't wipe the record of uh, the ballpoint pen on a piece of paper. Neelix sidles up to Chakotay and and he's like, you fucking idiot, man. Why didn't you have Kellen write things out longhand? And then you present her own written words. Then she believes she loves you because it's her own handwriting. And that's the end of the episode. And then we slowly push in on Chakotay's face. <laughs> As he realizes his error, and he's like, turn the ship around. God fucking damn it! That's such a good idea! Ah! I wish I could, like, fucking send something back in time to myself of two days ago! <laughs> so I don't fucking... Oh, God! Is there a sun nearby we can go around counterclockwise? <laughs> My watch says, it looks like you've taken a hard fall. Whoa. I've <laughs> never gotten that before. My freak out has triggered a new reaction. <laughs> wow. I'm okay, watch. But really, this is a moment where Neelix... What? Neelix is like blowhard love elegy where he's like, yeah, like, who knows, man? Like, How did he get so smart about this? He's yeah. not. He's an idiot. Yeah. Shut up, Neelix. Get out of here. Leave that pot of coffee and get the fuck out of here. Go get your feet rubbed on the holodeck, Neelix. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's the end of the episode. Go get, go get your wine bottle machine gunned on the holodeck, Neelix. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like Brett. And I don't like you. I have mixed feelings about this episode. I think it's a great Robert Beltran episode. Yeah. It's very fun to see Virginia Madsen in this episode. And I think she is a really interesting casting choice for this character. Yeah. And I think it's a really well-directed episode, but I think the script has some kind of big problems with it. So it's one of those episodes where it's really fun to watch, but it's like, the script doctor inside your mind has to has to stay outside the the screening room when you watch this one. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, th in many ways, this is Chakotay's The Perfect Mate episode, right? I think the idea is that as a viewer, you're supposed to feel like the big one got away. Right. And you're supposed to be rooting for Chakotay and Kellen. But by an episode believing that, they're also saying that we should not believe in the efficacy of a Janeway Chicote relationship and that we shouldn't be shipping them. I think this episode fails to understand how strong that interest is. Right. Because if that, like, absent that, I think you're totally along for the idea that this is 
or maybe Chakotay's perfect mate. But I think there's so much... Janeway's so absent in this episode, I think because for her to be in it any more than she is would just serve as a reminder of like the person that Chakotay should really be with. True. And they're like, well, we can't have her in this. We need to make this about Kellen and, and Chakotay, but that's not enough. It's not enough for us to want it in the same way. So in that way, like what we're left with is like kind of a relatable summer fling kind of episode where like, Oh yeah, I've had tons of those. <laughs> your fling goes away after yeah. summer, back to her own college, and you go back to yours, and you, like you think you could keep it together, but that's not really how it works. Yeah, that always happened to me back in those days. Yep. Always. Yep. So many people wanted to spend some time with me. I know, Ben. I know. Well, uh, how'd you like to read some messages from people who want to spend a little bit of time with us. That sounds good. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we've got a couple of P1s in the inbox today. The first one is from Tenderoni. It's the Anger Noodle. Goes like this. Dear Noodle, by the time you get this, I will have moved, and you'll always be in my thoughts. Thank you for the many wonderful adventures for introducing me to this show, F1, and the showy. I'll always remember our trip together, our impromptu calls, horse time, and your smile when we dance, or when seeing a pupper. Until our next adventure... Man, that sounds like Anger Noodle and Tenderoni have a real Chakotay, Kellen type relationship perhaps even a summer fling but it, but it's an always remember not a yeah. not a never remember sure Kerneth yeah. didn't get involved in this one yeah Tenderoni wanted you to read this message and not me that's pretty specific here yeah what's that about and yet you're on record knowing nothing of a summer fling <laughs> interesting choice yeah yeah I mean, they're both pastas, right? Tenderoni and Anger Noodle. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I do make delicious pasta. So it seems like there's some compatibility there. I've got hmm. a lot of skills as a chef, as a pasta chef, you know? I don't got a lick of Italian in my heritage, but good at pasta. Ben, our second priority one message <laughs> is from Terry, the Interrupter of Atlanta, and it is to Scott of Detroit. Man, what did Terry do to interrupt Atlanta? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we're about to find out with this message that goes like this. Thank you for the surprise P1 call out in episode 433. We met on front row in Atlanta. After listing TGG hilarious malapropisms, agreed one more is needed. In show, Adam said, I take umbrage. With Scott egging me on, I called out, no, you take Uxbridge. Wow. When Adam looked down at me and said, hey, we do the show from up here. <laughs> it was the thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> oh, Terry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for snapping at you like that. <laughs> but also, this was a very rocky tour in terms of, uh, of participation from the audience. Yeah, a lot of people in the audience that thought maybe they 
should probably contribute as well. I don't like people yelling no at me from the crowd, like telling me I did something wrong mm. during a show. I think uh, probably extra punchy during the Atlanta show also because the green room was so stinky at that venue. It was a beer brewery and the, and the green room had clearly been used to like mash in beer. So Oof. it smelled fermented in there. Some real highs and lows of that Atlanta show for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll never smell a green room that bad again. Like that's that's the one to which all others will be measured. That's the yeah the the new high water mark in in smelliest green room. Which trust me, an elite group of green rooms are uh, are in that conversation. That's true. <laughs> yeah. The only I mean, we would have to be green rooming in a dumpster to get worse than that. And I don't mean in terms of cleanliness necessarily, just in terms of scent. Oof, that's a lot. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just had such a great time recording this set of P1s with you, Adam, despite being interrupted by Terry. And uh, yeah, despite not knowing why Tenderoni and Anger Noodle wanted me to read <laughs> that specific P1. Yeah. Look, if I had to choose who was going to read my P1, I would choose you also. Uh, I clearly was a was a stumble fest during my own reading. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to know that because of the edit, but... Uh, Perfect editing once again by Wendy. Trust us. Adam really fucking blew it when he came to reading his P1. Uh, if you'd like to get us to stumble through your P1, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Book one today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to give it to Ensign Harry Kim again. I think there's a weird undercurrent about Harry Kim with regard to Seven in this uh -huh. episode. Like, almost the writer of the episode wanted to make fun of Harry Kim for not closing the deal with Seven. Yeah. I'm done with that story. Not interested. And yeah, like it it seems like just as weird that Seven is as boneheaded about human interactions. The episode fails to like take any delight in that. Yeah. You know, Harry Kim is an innocent bystander and this episode just lights him up. Like I don't like that. I don't either. I'm I'm done with Kim being a punchline. I'm ready to uh reestablish him as the stick man of the show. Do not care for any episode that uh, endeavors to punchline Harry Kim. So he's my drunk Shimoda because I uh, I, I just want to honor him yeah. and respect the drunk Shimoda that I believe he can be. Ben, my Shimoda is a video Shimoda. Wow. If you scroll your way to 31 minutes and eight seconds, you'll see a background actor that we have sometimes described as a contest winner <laughs> in that <laughs> here's the thing. So the corridors on Voyager curve. Everybody knows this. Mm -hmm. Because they're a loop. They, they, it's a circle. Except if you're uh, staying in Kellen's apartment, at which point you're at a dead end. Right. This guy unfortunately finds a path around the loop that keeps him in the three shot <laughs> between Chakotay and Tuvok in a way that, I, that seems very unintentional, but very self-aware. Yeah. Because he's making a face of a guy who's like, oh God, I cannot seem to not be center frame here. And it's kind of freaking me out. And how am I going to get around this guy? Like 
there's a face to him that I could not take my eyes off of. And when he finally yeah. gets around to the left side of the frame, I was relieved almost. Yeah. He has the energy of like when you have like a sort of entry level job at a company and like, this is not your boss's boss. This is like bosses from a different department, but like people whose first names get tossed around in meetings, yeah. you know, like they're, they're, they're high As up if we're in supposed the to know. You're scared of them. Yeah. And like, fuck, I'm fucking behind them. And they're having like some intense conversation in the hallway. Like, let me see how hard I can work to get them to not notice me. Yeah. This episode was was really directed well by Andrew Robinson, but I think this is one of those situations where you got to get a second take. Yeah. <laughs> to just move this guy around in the back a little bit or move him from the center of a three shot to behind one of them so that he can pass. But the pace of walking is the same. Like there's just no movement in the frame for him. And that's what makes it really tough. Yeah. Tough situation. The like close quarters of a hallway are a thing that they have on Deep Space Nine, but we didn't visit that often. And I mm -hmm. wonder if an actor that had come from Next Gen or Voyager would not have made the same blocking choice as a director. <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is such a, a convention question. Like this is the nerdiest of the nerdy in yeah. terms of like, I wonder, I really wonder what's going on in a scene like this. <laughs> what you mean? Like a major plot moment or, uh, or like a story arc for a character? No, no, the blocking of that extra. No, like how you walk. There's an extra in that scene that kind of has like my haircut <laughs> and he doesn't get blown out of an airlock. And I'm sort of wondering like, eh, what gives? It's a very Star Trek Las Vegas panel, a panel just filled with background actors. Yeah. In a couple of years, that's all it's going to be at Star Trek Las Vegas. Right. Yeah. And we're going to be up there going, ah, I've got a question. <laughs> I appear to be the only one attending this convention anymore. Yeah. So there are 3,000 seats and I'm the one in the front row. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad you made all these hot dogs, though. Mm. Anyway, uh, if you could tell me what it's like to walk on these different sets. Uh, really luxuriate in your answer because uh, no one gives a shit about in and out times of these things. Seriously. Take your answer over there. Give a like. Well, Adam, it's time that we decide how the next episode is going to go. I think that there's a very low likelihood that the next episode is going to be as boozy as the last two have been. I like a little sake buzz. I feel great right now. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you got You got dinner plans, right? Yeah, in like an hour. Oh. That's plenty of time to, to chill out a little bit. Okay, good. Well, we have some interesting some interesting stuff ahead of us. We've got a eyes uncovered square that we could hit. We also have a banger that we could hit. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're on square 18, looking at uh, some potential excitement ahead. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. Oh, but first I should tell you about season four, episode 23. Living Witness, an alien species, claims that the warship Voyager was responsible for war crimes hmm. committed against them. Sounds pretty intense. It does. I'd like to see them prove that. Yeah, yeah. It would be a lot easier to prove if anyone on the starship Voyager could remember. 
You're required to learn <laughs> as you play. Roll. We we need a Kerneth shirt to go along with our Kern shirt. <laughs> Adam, I rolled a five. Oh. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Bringing us forward to square 23. We're on the doorstep of that banger, but uh, we didn't hit anything, so we're going to have a reg app next week. How about that? Not yeah. hitting anything. Putting us in range of a fucking bathtub episode. Yep, yep. That'll be fun. Fucking quitting the show if we hit that. We've hit that bathtub episode so many times. I don't know if we've ever hit Kanar with Damar, for example, but we've for sure hit that bathtub. I'm about to move. I'm moving this weekend, and that could be done in a different bathtub. Hmm. Wow. New bathtub, who dis? I mean, I'll hate it just as much as any other bathtub episode. The other option we haven't discussed is uh, I now have a giant inflatable pool in my backyard. So we could do that, but- Did you fix it? I thought you were telling me that it had a, a hole in it. It didn't wind up having a hole. Oh. What? I don't know where the water went. The water left So one day. <laughs> so just to tell the Friends of DeSoto what happened- a pool in your backyard, an inflatable above-ground pool in your backyard that you set up lovingly for your wife's pregnancy comfort was full on one day and then completely empty the next, and there's no explanation for how that happened. Don't know why it happened. Don't, we don't even have any leads. Like, we've got guys <laughs> working in the crime lab around the clock on this. But, uh, yeah. You're suggesting that we do the bathtub episode together in your inflatable ab above-ground pool? Yeah, I mean, like, it wouldn't tr be a strictly speaking naked now episode because I'm not willing to be nude in front of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying the obvious. <laughs> this is a professional workplace, Adam. Yeah. But uh, but we could get in a pool together is what I'm saying. Yeah, we could. But have we ever done the show outside? Because that's an aspect to your proposition that is intriguing and deeply embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be in a backyard. Nobody could see. The cadre of yappy dogs from my neighbor's yard might interrupt. I can just see Wendy shaking her head across the country like, do not fucking do this to me, you guys. <laughs> do not make me make you sound good. Do not make me edit parrots out of the episode because of the fucking parrots that live in your neighborhood. All right. Well, let's just hope we don't hit that square. It sounds like we have some options if we do. And, you know, how, how do I pivot into credits after that? I don't know. These squawking parrots of our lives, really, <laughs> are those who go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Mm, it's true. Yeah, if you want to be a squawking parrot, you can do it. The squawking parrot level is the $5 level. It's the most meaningful level. It's the one that yeah. ensures that our show can go on month after month. True. And it really means a lot. And then it gets you access to our monthly bonus episode and uh, all of the bonus episodes we've ever done, which is quite a catalog at this point. Like this month, you will be able to hear our special event horizon Halloween holiday episode. That's true. Very Isn't exciting. That exciting? An episode that we were both basically shitting ourselves in the anticipation of recording because yeah. we, were, we were so scared of that movie. If you want to hear it, $5 per month is how you do it. And you get that bonus episode and a whole bunch of other bonus episodes you and I have done. And bonus episodes by every show on Maximum Fun. It's a tremendous value. 
Yeah, it really is. If you would like to support the show in a way that doesn't cost you a goddamn thing, how about you follow at Greatest Track on Instagram or Twitter and then use social media to talk about why you like the show. Let, let people know. That word of mouth, huge for us. Leave a nice review on a podcast app. That's also huge for us. Yeah. Hit a little star on your podcast app. Yeah. Write a one-sentence review of the show. Like, that is really meaningful, free help that you can give us. It, it helps get more earballs mm. on the show is what it does. And uh, just t- like telling a friend any analog way that you want to pursue getting the word out about the show is a great way to support. Um, we got to thank a bunch of people. Got to thank Wendy Pretty, producer of the program. We got to thank Nick Dittmore, who made the show art. We got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made our original theme music based on the card song by Dark Materia. Follow Adam Ragusea on YouTube and download his podcast in the podcast app. Cooking shows that uh, pretty much anybody, I think, would get a lot out of. Whether you're new to cooking or nude to cooking, mm. there's an Adam Ragusea podcast episode or video for you. Yeah, make sure you're using a spatter screen while uh, pan frying that tilapia filet so that you don't get little flecks of hot oil on your dick. Yeah. Your dick or lady genitals, Ben. Mm. I don't want to assume what anybody's genitals are. I'm just saying, if you're nude chef... What was the phrase? I'm drunk. If you're... <laughs> If you're nude, be careful in the kitchen. <laughs> With that, that's the takeaway you need to have for these credits. Back at you next week <laughs> with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. It's an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager. That is that war crime? I don't remember what the episode description was. It was something about a war crime, right? We're definitely not burning our genitals on the hot oil of our next episode, right? That would be a war crime for sure. Make it so. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.